All right, well, good evening. It's a pleasure to be here again, and as we study uh, the book of Ephesians, we'll be in Ephesians chapter 5 tonight. We're starting Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll look at the first half of this evening, verses uh, 1 through 21. But again, um, it's good to be here. Uh, I don't have the, the microphone again. I must with it around uh, a little bit today, and I just couldn't get it to work. I'm not sure what the problem is, but cost $30, and I guess we got the $30 worth of use out of it uh, this past month. Um, but hopefully, hopefully I can figure out what's wrong with that, uh, but we'll go ahead and use uh, this this way as well. Uh, but again, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, but before we jump in there, uh, you know, we, we've been uh, uh, talking about, we, we've seen this word walk quite a bit uh, through Ephesians. We've actually seen it four times. And again, when, when we're talking about uh, our walk, uh, it's kind of referring to our, our manner of life or, or, you know, how we're living our lives. And Paul is over and over again reminding them how they should walk or how they should live their life. Listen, listen to this, these verses here. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The psalmist here wrote, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. So again, it shouldn't escape our attention that the term walk is used as a metaphor for one's manner of life, especially in this passage here in Psalm chapter 1. And when he says uh, one should walk in the counsel of another, you know, he's saying that we should not take uh, this person's uh, advice. Uh, again, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Uh, the psalmist is encouraging us to avoid uh, wickedness. Um, and we notice this progression in, in these verses. You know, first he says, do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. And then he says, do not sit, or excuse me, do not stand in the path of sinners. And then finally, do not sit in the seat of scoffers. And we kind of notice this progression of, um, the, of what he's trying to admonish us not to do. You know, do not walk this way, you know, because if you're going to walk this way, then you might start standing in that way. You know, we're standing, so now we're hanging around a little bit. And then he says, you know, do not sit, you know, because when we're sitting, you know, we're, we're planting ourselves down and we're staying in there. So he's admonishing us not to walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand, nor sit, and so again, Scripture uh, metaphorically uses the term walk, you know, not just limited to the response or directions uh, that we are to go, but Paul, again, he uses this fight quite frequently. Uh, if you remember in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 1, he said, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, uh, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Right? Do not walk according to the flesh. You know, do not live your life solely on the desires of your, uh, your fleshly side. And in that same book, Romans chapter 13, verse 13, he tells us to walk, let us walk properly. Again, uh, you know, walking is, uh, you know, a term that Paul is going to use over and over again um, to tell us how uh, we are to keep on course uh, with our lives. Um, we are to walk differently from the people of the world, right? And we studied that a little bit last week, or the last two weeks, when, when Paul said, 
uh, in Ephesians chapter 4 and said, you know, do not walk like the Gentiles uh, walk. And as we've seen in the previous lessons, the term walk plays an important role in Paul's letters. Again, if we went to back to chapter 2, verse 2, we recall that Paul wrote, um, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. Right, so the Gentiles, they formerly walked um, this way. And Paul said when they walked this way, they were dead in their sins and no longer do that. And then in verse 10 of chapter 2, he said, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Again, here's the kind of the flip side of walking, not used in a negative term, but in a positive term. Um, We were created for good works by God for the foundation of the world. You know, this was his plan for us to do that. So let's walk that way. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, we... Recall, Paul, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. You know, walk this way. And then last week in verse 17 of chapter 4, we read, So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility, futility of their mind. Right? Their, their minds are aimless. They're, they're empty. Um, they're not set on the right things. Do not walk that way. And then when we get into our lesson text this evening, chapter 5, we're going to notice Paul's going to use that term three different times. He's going to use it in verse 2, he's going to use it in verse 8, and he's going to use it in verse 15. And this is, you know, this is, these are passages that a preacher likes because there's three points here. We're going to notice three points as we go through here that we're going to need to walk in love. He's going to tell us first, walk in love, and then he's going to tell us that we need to uh, walk um, in verse 8, in light. And then he's going to tell us we need to walk in wisdom towards the end. So a good, uh, a good uh, um, outline for us this evening to walk in love, to walk in light, and to walk in uh, wisdom in Ephesians chapter 5. And so let, let's jump in and look what Paul has to say in this first section. Uh, again, Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Paul writes, Therefore... Be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us in offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks." For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Okay, so he tells us we need to walk in love. Again, our, our... Our manner of life. We want to be those who walk in love. Again, biblical love, uh, agape love, is looking out for the interests of others, not ourselves. Not being selfish, uh, which we'll get here into this in a little bit. But he says for uh, moral progress to be possible, there must be a standard or goal by which our behavior can be measured by. Uh, Ultimately, of course, that standard cannot be us. It can't be you and I because... 
Uh, you know, because Paul tells us that we all sin and we all fall short. You know, and we talked about this last Wednesday uh, for my devotional, how Jesus is, you know, that example, that perfect example. He's that copy for us. And, and so he's who we want to emulate in this life. Again, um, not ourselves, but this doesn't mean we can't learn from others, uh, uh, especially the mistakes of others. Uh, the Hebrews writer in Hebrews chapter 4, 11 said this, Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. Right? So, so not only um, you know, is Jesus our example and that's who we want to copy and be imitators of, but the Hebrews writer says you know, let's, we can use others as examples as well, uh, but don't follow their examples of disobedience. And you know, there's, there's really a difference between pointing out to us what we must avoid and, and then also providing that standard, that definitive standard of behavior. You know, it's easy enough for you and I to say, don't live like the Gentiles, right? Just don't live like them. Uh, but Christianity, Christianity is not just about the avoidance of sin. Uh, if you were in our Sunday morning Bible class here in the auditorium, we, we touched on this a little bit that, you know, some, some individuals uh, see Christianity as, you know, an island, right? That, that we're an island out in the middle of the ocean and no one can get to us. And, and people kind of took that to the extreme over the years, uh, you know, building monasteries and, and becoming, you know, what we now know as, as monks and nuns where they, they thought to get away from the world. And go and live, uh, you know, in these secluded places out in deserts or, or wherever it may be. And, um, you know, and then we looked at some passages uh, from Scripture that really talked to us as to, you know, this isn't how the Christian is to live. Right? Uh, Christians uh, need to let their light shine. We need to be able to inf- influence the people around us. And so, uh, again, it's... Christianity is not just about the avoidance of sin, but it's about the, the pursuit of righteousness. And that's what Paul is getting at here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. He doesn't merely warn them, uh, the Ephesians, to avoid pagan behavior. He challenges them to pattern their lives after God. Right? Again, it, it, it's not a passive thing to be a Christian. First uh, Peter chapter 1 Verses 13 through 16, listen to what Paul says here, or excuse me, Peter says here. It says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in your behavior. Right? So, uh, we are called to be uh, active in our faith. Uh, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope on Jesus. Be obedient children. Live holy lives. Right? Don't just avoid uh, sin, but, um, but pursue righteousness. You know, we need to pursue righteousness. And, and again, look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, where Paul says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And to walk as a Christian, again, we're going to see this word walk over and over again. To walk as a Christian, we have to cast aside our personal desires, as he tells us in verse 2 and 3, and mimic the characteristics of God. So, so notice again, he says, and walk in love, verse 2, just as Christ also loved you 
and gave himself up for us in offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. The love of God, right? The love of God moved him to send Jesus to the earth. Right? God so loved the world that he gave his own begotten son. And the love of Christ drove him to, to lay down his life for us. Right? The, there's no stronger love than that than for one to uh, lay down his life for his friends. Uh, he says in John chapter 15, verse 13. And if we have you know, trouble uh, with understanding you know, this type of love, we are to walk in love. You know, there's no better chapter in the Bible than 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know, a lot of times you'll, you'll hear this, these verses read in wedding ceremonies. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's all about agape love. It's giving us description after description of what this love is or how this love should be. And we're familiar with these verses. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and it's not arrogant does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in right, unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, right? Love is, is not a selfish act. And as Paul um, is continuing to write to them, he's going to point that out to them, that we need to walk in love by avoiding selfish and uh, fleshly behaviors. Uh, look at verses three and four again. Rather than pursuing our own desires, we restrain because of love. He says, but immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. You know, one of the things that um, one of my t instructors, you know, drilled into us is that whenever Paul gives a list or any of the Bible writers gives a list, you know, it's kind of important to kind of stop, where, stop there and kind of define the terms and make sure we understand uh, what these words are getting at. Um, you know, because some of them, uh, you know, they, they somewhat run together maybe in our minds, uh, but, but it's good to stop and uh, try to define these words. And um, again, in verse three, these things should not even be named among you, Paul says. Uh, um, one translation says there shouldn't even be a hint of these things. Immorality, uh, immorality. Maybe your translation says fornication. Uh, New King James, King James uses that. And really, this is it's a broad term. It's a, an umbrella term that um, constitutes all of the, the unlawful uh, sexual relationships uh, that are, are possible, you know? So th this term would include adultery or incest, homosexuality, um, sexual relations outside of marriage. Uh, these types of things are, are listed or are the definition of immorality or fornication. And so he says, uh, but again, these things should not even be named among you. And then he says impurity or uncleanness, you know, uh, unclean, unclean thoughts, uh, or unclean in life. You know, that's the idea here. Um, we shouldn't even be thinking of these things. And then he says greed or covetousness, again, must not even be named among you. There shouldn't even be a hint of these things among you. Having a desire um, 
more or what, you know, having a desire for something you don't have. You know, that's greed. That's covetousness. And then in verse 4, he says, and there must be no filthiness, um, obscene speech. Right? That, that's what he's getting at here. And we, we kind of touched on that last week. If you remember uh, in chapter 4, he said in verse 29, he said, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Right? Don't let any rotten word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, uh, he says. And so back in chapter 5, verse 4, there should be no filthiness. There should be no silly talk or, or foolish talking. Um, again, in the context here, he's talking about fleshly uh, desires. So, you know, maybe, maybe we refer to this as, you know, to kind of put a spin on it, you know, locker room talk. Uh, you know, jokes about sexual sins. And then he says, no coarse jesting, no obscene jesting about these types of activities. You know, Paul, you know, he's kind of covering the whole range of things here, saying, you know, do not walk like this anymore. You know, you did this uh, when, you, when you were not in Christ, and no longer do this. Walk in love, because love is looking out for other people, right? It's looking to... Um, the best interests of others. And what are these types of, of sinful activities? Uh, they don't, right? Th- these are things that um, are not seeking another's good. They're, they're selfish acts. They're, they're, um, they're merely for personal gratification. And so we're not seeking uh, others um, the best for them uh, when participating in these things. And so as he continues in verse 5, he says... Um, those who live without moral restraint, uh, you know, without, without this love, he, he, he basically tells them they should not expect to be rewarded eternally. He says uh, there's no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ uh, for those who participate in these deeds. And then uh, in verse 6, Christians must not allow themselves to be deceived into thinking behavior doesn't matter. Right? And uh, again, walk in love. He says, walk in love. Let's look at verses 8 through 14 because he's going to change his gears a little bit. And he's going to start a new section of walking in light. Okay, so, well, if we started in verse 7 to get the full context, he says, Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Okay, so closely associated with the idea of walking in love, you know, again, avoiding unselfish desires, fleshly desires, is the idea of walking in light and living in a manner that is, it's pure, right? Light represents pure purity and upright, and this is something that people also do when they imitate God, right? Be imitators of God, so let's walk in the light, just as God is in the light. Uh, God is characterized by love. You know, God is love. Uh, and he's also characterized by light. 
First um, John chapter one verse five says, "God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all." Right. So, as a Christian, we want to walk in light, and we want to avoid living in darkness or supporting those uh, who do so. And so, uh, he, you know, he says that again in verses eight through nine: "For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light." Uh, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. But walking in light, it, it demands that we understand uh, God's plan, that we have a, an awareness of God's plan. In fact, uh, we can't possibly do so without finding out what is acceptable. Verse 10 says, trying to learn what is pleasing uh, to the Lord. Or, or, uh, or other translations say, try to discern, discern what is pleasing to the Lord, what is acceptable to the Lord. Right? The Christian needs to um, make this a part of their life that they are trying to learn what is acceptable, what is pleasing as we walk in the light. And the verb here has the idea of testing uh, and approving. Right? So as we try to walk in the light, uh, we are trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord, and we do that by testing and proving things, right? Uh, what's that that Paul says uh, elsewhere in Scripture? I think it's in First Thessalonians chapter five, verse uh, twenty-one. But examine everything carefully; hold fast to that which is good, right? We we are to test things; uh, we are to uh, approve of them. You know, uh, it's sort of like a you know your parents might leave you a note. Uh, you know, maybe they'll leave you at home for. Uh, a period of time and they're, they're off and they'll leave you a note and it says, you know, I need you to wash the dishes today and I need you to take care of your laundry and stuff like that. And if you want to please them, what are you going to do? You're going to do it. You're going to follow the note. Well, if we want to please God, right, we need to follow his notes, if you will, uh, the scriptures and follow those. You know, again, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And walking in the light also demands a rejection of darkness. If we're walking in the light, that assumes that we are rejecting the darkness. And we can't, as Christians, hold hands with the world on one side and God you know, on the other. Um, instead of joining with and supporting the unfruitful works of darkness, Paul says here in verse 11 that we need to expose them. That, that word expose there means to convict, to reprove, to discipline. And we do that by turning the light on it, turning the light on, on those shameful acts. Verse 12, these, these acts are so disgraceful even to speak of the things which they do in secret. Um, you know, it, it used to be it used to be embarrassing uh, for, for a lot of individuals to uh, to be found you know, committing a sinful act, but that, that doesn't necessarily is the case today, right? We, we see it all over the place. Uh, lifestyles, contrary to, you know, God's, uh, God's word are flaunted on television and in movies. And, um, you know, it doesn't matter that the light has been shined on them. But uh, again, he says, but all things in verse 13 become visible when they are exposed by the light. You know, sin is made plain as day when we open the scriptures. Right? When we open the scriptures and study them, uh, we can see it as plain as day. 
and even the light of our brothers and sisters around us um, can help, help us see maybe a little bit of darkness that, that we have in our lives uh, that, that we need help with. And then Paul says in verse 14, he says, wake up, right? Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead. Uh, remember in chapter 2, verse 1, they were spiritually dead in their sins. And, you know, he's reminding them, wake up. Um, no longer live like this. Make sure you're not living like this. So, um, so that second point that Paul's giving us here in Ephesians chapter 5 is walk in the light. Right? Walk in love. Walk in light. And then finally, verses 15 through 21, he's going to tell us to walk in wisdom. Let's read these verses. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Okay, so besides walking in love and walking in light, now Paul is challenging them to walk in wisdom. Uh, let me ask this question. What is wisdom? Good decision making. Okay, good decision making. Yeah, a lot of times we distinguish um, wisdom and knowledge, right? Knowledge is, you know, kind of the building blocks, uh, the things that... Um, that we learn, you know, as we, as we study the scriptures, we gain knowledge. As we read it and study it, and we gain that knowledge. But really, wisdom is, you know, putting that knowledge uh, to, to, to the test, uh, using it. Um, uh, you know, a lot of times we will uh, talk about how wisdom, you know, is the application of knowledge. You know, James, uh, in James chapter 1, verse 5, he tells us to pray for wisdom, you know, he doesn't tell us necessarily pray for knowledge because, you know, that's sort of our part. Uh, let's, let's study and get the knowledge. But, you know, we can pray for wisdom uh, because there may be situations in our lives that we haven't been in before. And, we, and so we don't have the wisdom in maybe that particular situation. And, you know, let, let's pray for wisdom so that when uh, that moment comes, you know, we can uh, apply the knowledge that we have and uh, learn from others, again, learn from others' mistakes and from their positives. And so um, we want to walk in wisdom. So, um, and again, this, this is a characteristic of God. Those, those who imitate God will not only seek to live an unselfish life in a pure manner, but also in a manner that reflects God's wisdom. And he says, therefore, be careful how you walk. Okay, that's my translation uh, maybe if someone has the New King James, what, what word does he use there in, chapter, in verse 15? Or maybe it's the King James or the New King James. Doesn't he use the word circumspectly? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a cool word. 
uh, walk circumspectly. You know, what, he, what he's trying to, uh, you know, uh, in sports, right? Maybe you play football or something. Your coach might tell you to, you know, keep your head on a swivel. Right? What does that mean? That means that, you know, while everything's going on around you, you know, you got to be watching, you know, every way, you know, because there might be somebody coming to hit you from the blind side and it's going to hurt and it's going to take you out. So walk circumspectly. Uh, be careful how you walk. Um, you know, I, I, I told, told Angel I, I shouldn't use this uh, illustration, but, um, you know, I, I have a little bit of fear of snakes. Right? And so when, I, when I'm walking, uh, especially in a wooded area, or, you know, especially since we moved to Tennessee and uh, Kentucky, where, you know, that's more prevalent, you know, I'm wa- walking circumspectly, you know, when I'm outside, because, you know, I saw that picture Miss Linda had on Facebook the other day of the six foot or so snake that was outside her house, and I know that there's uh, probably some uh, lurking around here in Columbia, and, uh, you know, when I'm walking, I'm walking circumspectly, you know, I am keeping my head on a swivel, I am um, be, I'm be careful how I am walking, uh, not as unwise, but as wise, you know, because there may be something sur- lurking around the corner. Uh, Paul's saying, you know, Satan's lurking around the corner. Uh, he, he's like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And so we need to, as Christians, walk circumspectly, uh, walk carefully. And then in verse 16, he says, while doing this, uh, make the most of your time. Uh, make the most of your time. I like this quote that I read. It said, the man who dares to waste one hour of time has not discovered the value of life, right? Because we know life is short. It's fleeting. We lose track of it, but we, yet we, can, uh, we never seem to find it. And as Paul is saying here to the Ephesians and to us as well, uh, we need to make the most of our time because the days are evil. And so let's use wisdom to our advantage Right. Let's talk less about the past. Let's dream less about the future. But let's roll up our sleeves and get to work right now uh, while, while we have time. Uh, and then verses 18 through 21, uh, those who walk in wisdom, you know, he, he mentions that uh, uh, they praise God in song. Uh, they give thanks to him in all things. They submit to one another in brotherly concern and cooperation. Uh, I know we're running short on time, but verses 18 and 19 are probably pretty familiar to the, you because they're uh, passages that we often will go to uh, when talking to individuals of why, you know, why there's no uh, organ here. Why, why do you, uh, uh, in, the, in the Church of Christ, why do you not use the instrument? You know, and we'll go to verses 18 and 19 to point out especially in verse 19, that, that we are speaking, that we are commanded to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. And, and there's so much to unpack there, and that'll have to be a lesson for another time, or maybe a sermon for another time. But if we are to walk wise in this life, verse 18, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, or that is debauchery but be filled with the Spirit, right? Uh, Being drunk with wine is going to, uh, of course, it's going to weaken the body, impair the mind, make vulnerable the soul, and we're not going to be able to uh, walk in wisdom uh, when our lives are not filled with the Spirit, rather, uh, than 
than we should be. And in verse 20, and likewise encourage by um, each other by expressing thankfulness to God, uh, the God that we seek to imitate and be subject to one another. Verse 21, you know, that word sub, being subject to one another, being submissive to one another, it's, you know, it's a word that we often, or at least uh, individuals um, that might not be familiar with uh, you know, how Scripture uses it, they, they might look at it as about being weak or being defeated, but that's not at all what it means. It means you know, we're voluntarily yielding in love out of respect for Jesus Christ. We're yielding to each other. Right? Those things of um, maybe of opinion, uh, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. So, um, you know, it's not enough to tell individuals what they must avoid, but as Christians, we equip each other, or we are equipped as God desires, and we must point, again, them to the standard uh, for our behavior, which is God. Again, be imitators of God as beloved children. And, and if we remember to walk in love, to uh, walk in wisdom and walk in light, you know, that, that's really, you know, what Paul is emphasizing for us here in chapter 5. Okay, that, that's our time. Um, next week, we will finish chapter 5, which we're going to get um, into the subject of marriage and, and how that relates to church and the Christ. So, so uh, please go ahead and read verses 22 through 33 and uh, prepare for that. Thank you.